0: Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. You know, we're talking this month about how to make resolutions that last. Now, many people think that resolutions are just foolish, just a waste of time. But the real truth is resolutions are actually a form of repentance because repentance is just simply When you change your mind. Now, I know religion has made repentance a whole lot more than that, but repentance is when you change your mind and you change your mind because you don't like or don't want your life to go in the direction that it's going in. So you say, you know something, this is not what I want. I I, I want something else and I'm going to have to go in a different direction to get it. So, so. In reality, resolutions are, are, are biblical concept. The fact that we make them at the new year has no significance other than the fact that, that we have that sense at the new year that it is time for a new beginning. And you know what? It really doesn't matter what motivates you to make new decisions uh, uh, as much as the fact that you just make them. That you make decisions about your life. But as you know, most decisions that people make about their life, most resolutions, uh, not only do people break them, but they break them really pretty quickly. Most resolutions uh, are, some resolutions are just broken within a couple of weeks. I think the majority of resolutions that people make at New Year's are completely done within less than two months. And so, So every time we make a decision or we make a resolution and we don't see it through and we don't have success in it, the real truth is it undermines our self-confidence. You know, there are certain factors in living life effectively and enjoying the best that life has to offer, and and in those factors, there is is, uh, self-worth, but there's also self-confidence. Now, we're, we're living in a time when people are getting awareness of how the church has kind of kept us locked into what the Bible calls dead works. And dead works were things that we did uh, to try to earn from God. And, uh, and so, like all things that the church tends to do, in many arenas, people have swung so far over to the left... That, they have, that they've reached a place where it's like, uh, you know, the desire to do any good works is a negative thing. Well, good works are good. Dead works are not. And um, the, the irony is, is that good works and dead works are the same actions. They're the same behaviors. What makes something a good work or a dead work is the motive or the purpose or the reason that we're doing those things, and so one of the one of the roles that good works plays in our life is when we make decisions. Uh, and you know, the good work could be anything from uh, uh, feeding the poor. It could be something about personal development. It could be something about improving the quality of your life. I mean, there's just all there's all kinds of good works, works that are beneficial to us, beneficial to us serving God, beneficial to us serving mankind. There's just a a myriad, a a, a limitless list of of good works. And what's one of the great things about anything that we decide to do, any good thing that we decide to do is this, when we see something through till the end, it it, uh, builds up our self-confidence. And as I told you back, I think, in the very first week of teaching this, uh, 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 this series on making resolutions that last or making resolutions that work, so many times when we want to start something new, when we want to improve the quality of our life, and remember, because of the fact that we are created in the likeness and the image of God, and we are the only species created in the likeness and the image of God, that means we are are the only species in existence and that can change the quality of our life by the decisions that we make, by making choices. And so, so we're creating the likeness of the gods. And when so many times, though, when we want to make a decision to improve the quality of our life, the reason we don't make that decision is very often because of a lack of self-confidence. Some people say, well, you're not supposed to have confidence in yourself. You're supposed to have confidence in God. Well, you know something, you may not realize it, but you, know, you and God are kind of a team. And it doesn't matter if you have confidence in God. If you have no confidence in yourself, um, you'll still quit. You, you won't trust God. You won't. Uh, yield your life to God, you won't let God empower you and, and, and lot, let God strengthen you. So one of two things will happen is you'll either, you'll either just not start, you'll just not make the decision, or you'll make the decision, and that pattern of, of uh, low self-confidence will overtake you and cause you to fail. You know, it's a really interesting thing, by the way, about, about self-confidence. When you start something and quit... And particularly if there's strong emotional factors involved with when you quit, strong feelings of being a failure or whatever, um, or if you do it repeatedly, your brain actually creates um, these uh Neural factors if you like that's not the right word right biological words the word I'm gonna make up a word here and use it these neural factors that have to do with your neural pathways and how you Connect thoughts together through your synapses and all that kind of stuff and basically it's sort of like this let's, let's say you um, Start an exercise program and you you quit in two weeks and you feel like a monumental failure and, and you attach Significance to it. Well, well, well what starts happening is the next time you start something new, it may not be an exercise program. It may be just trying to break a bad habit. It may be trying to move forward in something. It may be trying to be, have a more positive outlook on life. You will get yourself programmed to where your brain tells you in two weeks is when you quit, because that's when you quit before, and that's when you had strong emotional significance about quitting. And what will happen is it'll get to in every arena of our life to where we kind of we, we have a, a mental timer going that says, no matter what decision I make, I am going to quit at this point. Well, you know something? You can't afford to make decisions and not see them through to the end because you, you will lose self-confidence. And like I say, it doesn't matter when you have no self-confidence. It doesn't matter if you trust God or not because because you're not going to trust God to work in you because you know that you're going, going to give up. Now listen, God has called us to do some very specific things in planet Earth. And one of the things that the majority of believers don't believe is that God has, number one, He has called us to be a success in planet earth. And and we're gonna go into that a little bit today, but we're gonna go into that a lot next week. God, because if we're created the likeness and the image of God, then God is a success. We should be a success. And God has uh, created us in such a way that we not only have the privilege and, and the right to make decisions to become a a success. We have a responsibility to become a success. Now, I've shared this with you over and over again. There are a few foundational laws of faith. And if you do not get solid in these foundational laws of faith, your faith will always be hit and miss at best. And you'll always struggle with wavering and you'll always struggling with feeling like you're kind of unsure as to what to do and to how to do it. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I want to move you past that because n- no, matter, no matter how g- good the material is, when you build a house, the best material in the world will collapse and become worthless if it is not built on a strong foundation. The foundation is what is what upholds, what sustains um, everything that you build in your life. And so our, one of our problems is, is, is as believers and as people who believe in the miraculous and people who believe that we should see miracles and we should see great things happen, one of the problems is we have these wonderful, lofty beliefs that are scriptural, but we don't have a foundation. We don't have a sure foundation. Therefore, we start building with great material. We've got the scripture, we got the finished work of Jesus, we've got all these things, and then it collapses, and we don't understand why. Then we lose confidence in God, and we lose confidence in ourselves and in our faith, and just get to the place where we are afraid to believe. We're afraid. Uh, uh, to launch out there again because it's like, you know, this has failed for me too many times. So I've said this before. I'm going to repeat this over and over again. The first foundational law of faith is this. You have to believe in the biblical account of creation. And I'm telling you, you will never be solid in your faith I'm not saying you won't have faith. I'm not saying you won't get a lot of things to work. I'm just saying it's going to be kind of hit and miss. And you will struggle with many biblical concepts if you're not absolute in the biblical account of creation. The second thing, and there, there are some other laws in here, but these are the top two. The second thing is you have to believe that you are created in the likeness and image of God and what that implies about you and how you're supposed to function as a human being. You see, we, if we don't know that we're created in the likeness and the image of God, then we have no concept of how we are supposed to function in planet Earth. And what I have seen, religion has come in, and as I've said many, many times, religion will take biblical words and redefine them religion has come in and presented the idea that god is sovereign but they don't define sovereignty to mean what it really means because sovereignty says that we that, that god has the capacity to make choices uh, independent of outside influences. In other words, he can make his own choices. He doesn't have to answer uh, to anybody for his choices and nobody can force him to make his choices. Religion went back to, to Greek mythology and Greek mythology came from uh, uh, Luciferianism or Satanism all the way back to the garden that presents the idea that as sovereign, God is in control of everything. Now, I'm telling you, nearly every Christian I talk to, and uh, you know, when tornadoes go through and tragedy strikes, everybody plays the sovereignty card in that God is in control of everything. So he must have had a good reason for making this happen. Well, I've got news for you God is not in control of everything. And that is the number one doctrinal uh, error that Satan uses to turn people against God. If God is in control of everything, then he can't be a good God because how could the world be so messed up? How could the world be so bad? Look at all the pain and suffering. And if God was a loving God, he would do something about it. But you see, that doctrine is based on the fact that we reject the first thing that God said about man. We are created in the likeness and the image of God, which means we too are sovereign. You see, God leads us. God teaches us. God gives us his word, but he gives us freedom of choice. We are free to make our own choices. And we can can make our choices based on what God says, we can make our choices based on the world system, which is based on Luciferianism. And and I want you to understand every choice you make is either rooted in Satanism or it is rooted in the word of God. And there's really not an in-between because we have been influenced uh, uh, by Satanism through the world system, through the government, through our education, through the news media, through all of these sources. And we have come to believe, even in the medical community, we've come to believe in determinism. Your, your DNA, you have no choice about whether you're going to be healthy or not. You know, that's no different than what the Chinese believe, that, that if you were born a certain month of a, you know, of a certain year, you're going to have... You're going to have certain diseases and that sort of thing. And it's no different than any other superstition, but we think because men in white coats say it, that they evidently are smarter than God and know more than we do. But the real truth is, Now we know that medical determinism is completely false. Our DNA doesn't control us. What we believe, what we eat, the environment that we are in actually reprograms our DNA and changes our health. Listen, God is always right. Science will usually eventually catch up with the Bible when science is willing to admit it. But here's the deal. I'm going to tell you something that, man, this is going to be so challenging for you to understand or to grasp. But if we are created in the likeness and the image of God, there are things we absolutely must get hold of. See, we have this concept, almost, almost everything that we want to have happen in our lives in conjunction with our faith, uh, we ask God to do. And the truth is, most of the things that need to happen in our life, God has already made provision for them. And, you know, we call it the finished work of Jesus. I remember one time I got a letter from a guy and I really understood it. He was really upset. He said, why do you keep insisting on calling it the finished work of Jesus? Well, the finished work of Jesus is because his part is finished. God's part is finished. Uh, what's left is our part. God will work with us when we do our part. He'll strengthen us when we do our part. He will comfort us when we do our part. He'll lead us when we do our part. But if even the Holy Spirit is called the comforter, the one, the one called alongside the help. He's not called the doer. He's called the comforter. So I'm going to tell you something that you probably have never, ever heard, but the real truth is this is what the Hebrew believers knew all along we are called to be co-creators with God. You see, we have this concept that, uh, that when God created the world and then rested, uh, that everything was done. Well, the Bible says he rested from his work. And, but after God created the world and the universe, God then spoke to man in Genesis 1:28, And he says, now look, You're created in my likeness and the image. I want you to go forth and have dominion. And next week, we're going to look specifically at what that word dominion, what it really means, what it really implies. But in the book of Genesis, Genesis 17, 1, it's talking about Abraham. And it says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am almighty God. Um... uh, I, or I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Now the word Almighty is that's where we it's the word Shaddai, and the word God is where we get El, so that's where we get the concept of El Shaddai. So God's name, Shaddai, is made up of two words that are kind of a contradiction. And it means, if you break the words apart, it can mean, he who said Enough. So another translation, and this is the way, uh, this is the way some Hebrew scholars translate this particular verse: "I am God, the Creator, who said enough. Now walk before me and become perfect." Now that word "perfect," by the way, is this is not just uh, you know the concept of becoming flawless. It's the concept of becoming complete. And what we understand and what, what the, the, the Hebrew sages understood and what the language implies is that neither the world nor man had reached the ultimate of what it would become, of what either would become. Since God gave man dominion over planet Earth, then man had the responsibility then to determine, if you will, the, the uh, future or the ongoing creation of planet Earth. What would Earth become after man was given dominion? But in conjunction with that, we understand that the world could only become what God would have had it to be if man became what God would have him to be. And and this is so crucially important. So the idea here is God did not make the world all it could or would become. He gave man the responsibility to do so when he gave him authority. Now, Man did, was not even all he could become in the garden. We look at that and we say man was perfect, da 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 da. Uh, well, stop and think though. The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So, in other words, man falling and God having a plan to bring Jesus. Uh, That was not something that happened and surprised God, and he had to come up with a plan B. The truth is, from the very beginning, God determined that all men would ultimately become, would happen through Jesus. That has always been the plan. It was not the secondary plan. It was not the afterthought. Even if man had never sinned in the garden, God's ultimate plan is that we would have become all that God wanted us to be through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something, that concept is completely foreign to the majority of the church world today. So here's the picture. I become all I can be in Jesus. And as a result... I create the world around me because of who I become. Like God, I create the world around me as an image of who I am and who I, and who I believe I am. Listen, let me take a, just a minute and, and, and just say this. You know, this month, I'm offering you an incredible, incredible uh, uh, offer this month to help you get the tools to put your life on track. This month, if you purchase my book, uh, Wired for Success, Program for Failure. And this book has exercises with every single chapter. You will also get access to a free, I can't even remember now, six or eight uh, video sessions of me teaching about uh, Wired for Success. I, and, and, you know, purchasing the book, I don't, what does the book cost? Maybe $14.00. This is a small investment to get the tools so that you can make decisions based on who you are in Jesus, based on what's in your heart that will give you a success that's really beyond anything that you ever imagined. Now, let me jump back into this. One of the things that we understand up from the laws of physics, as quantum physics has emerged and replaced some of the antiquated concepts of Newtonian physics, or actually maybe put the concepts of Newtonian physics into perspective. You know, Newtonian physics are pretty effective when it comes to large masses, but quantum physics deals with the energetic level of creation and, and, and deals with the realm that you, that you can't see. Receiving a Nobel Peace Prize for his research in quantum physics, Max Planck, and I believe it was 1927, in his acceptance speech, he said this. He said, we think that we are observing the world around us, but the truth is we are in interplay with the world around us, and it is becoming what we believe or what we expect it to become. I can't remember his exact terminology on that last part, but the point is this. The world is becoming a reflection of our beliefs of our expectations, of our character, of our intentions, and of our desires. We are creating the physical world around us. And what we believe about the physical world around us uh, and, and how we function in the physical world around us is, is determining what it's going to become. Now, remember, when God created the world, he conceived something in his heart. So for a minute, even though we're all collectively influencing the entire world and all has become. And remember, Proverbs is full of scriptures. It talks about how when the righteous rule, the city rejoices. Why? Because when the righteous rule, they create a world around them that's based on justice and righteousness. You know, when, uh, when a country becomes like our country is right now with all of the chaos, all of the conflict, You know, one of the things you know, you know that wicked people have been in power. You know, the laws that make it possible for, for for murderers to go free, that make it possible for people to 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 steal from you and never have to pay it back. The laws that make it possible for pedophiles to be, in, you know, have access to your children. The, you know, all of this crazy stuff that's going on. There's one reason is this way, because we have allowed the wicked to rule. And the Bible talks about the fact that when the wicked rule, they produce wickedness. When they get the wealth, they produce wickedness. Wickedness. So, <clears throat> but forget all that for a minute and just think about your world. Think about your environment. In your environment, what you believe in your heart. See, remember, this is the way God did it. He conceived something in his heart. And once it was conceived in his heart, he spoke it into existence. And then and, and then the, the environment had to become what he believed and conceived. Well, that's exactly what's happening in our world. Our heart creates the boundaries, the extent of how far that we can go in our world. And the real truth is we are co-creators with God, not only in the world as a whole, but we are co-creators with God in the world that we live in, in our families, in our marriage, with our children, with our employment, with the level of our prosperity. And it is becoming exactly what we believe it to become because after all of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and, and you are going to speak what you really believe about your world. You may do it subtly, you may do it indirectly, and you may even only utter it to yourself, but you are speaking and believing and creating the world around you. So the real truth is, the way to bring about an incredible transformation in the world around you is by bringing about a transformation in your own heart. And that's what I'm going to give you the tools to do. And by the way, that's what Wired for Success will teach you how to do. I want to mention something else. I have a mentoring program. It's called Ultimate Impact. And in just a short time, I'm going to begin a mentoring Program, and it's a live mentoring program. On, and and we go through series together, we read books together, and then I have live mentoring classes where I answer questions, give feedback uh, on weekly on Facebook. And I want to help you go farther than you can ever go just by sitting by yourself and trying to figure all this stuff out. If you're interested in participating in my personal mentoring program, go to my website, impactministries.com. Go to the right-hand side of the, uh, of the homepage and click on Ultimate Impact, and I'll share with you about it. And I'll be back next week, and I'll be talking to you about how to go farther than you can ever imagine. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, We encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.